here I am like on Broadway, living my dream, doing the thing I've wanted to do since I was eight and I was miserable. That is Emily Fletcher and I'm Lee Foster. You're listening to Action, the no bullshit podcast dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence. Emily's 10-year Broadway acting career included roles in Chicago, The Producers, and A Chorus Line. She is the founder of Ziva Meditation and Ziva Mind, the world's first online meditation training course. Emily has been featured in the New York Times, named Top 100 Women in Wellness to Watch, and regarded as one of the leading experts in Vedic meditation. She has been invited to speak at Google, Viacom, and Harvard Business School, to name a few. Since 2011, over 3,500 people have taken her courses, including Oscar, Grammy, and Tony Award winners. Enjoy this episode. Emily Fletcher, thank you so much for being on the show. Why don't you start by telling my audience and myself who you are and what you do? So I am a meditation teacher. I train people to be self-sufficient with a practice they can take with them for life. And I founded a company called Ziva Meditation, which is Z-I-V-A. And at Ziva, we're all about meditation for better performance. Because I believe that no one cares if you're a good meditator. Everyone cares if you're good at life. So we use meditation really as this performance-enhancing tool. And that stems from, my, in my previous life, before I was a meditation teacher, I was, I was an actress. I was actually on Broadway for about 10 years. And it was incredible. It was what I wanted to do my whole life. Um, but my last Broadway show was a chorus line, and I was understudying three of the lead roles, which basically means you show up to the theater and you have no idea who you're going to go on for. And I'm sure if your audience is mostly actors, they understand the like sheer terror that that is. <laughs> you know, sometimes you start the show as one character, and then halfway through they switch you to a different one, or you're just chilling in the dressing room doing your taxes, and someone gets on the loudspeaker and is like, "Emily Fletcher, we need you on stage." And I would start panicking because I wouldn't know which character to play. So I would grab all three of my costumes, run down seven flights of stairs. A dresser would put me in one. And I'm not kidding. Sometimes I would be on stage before I knew which role I was playing. Like I would look down and be like, well, there's no Val. So I guess I'm Val. And just into tits and ass. And I would start singing a six-page song. And some people are really good at this. I am not one of them. And I was basically living my life in this constant state of anxiety and never knowing, like even when I wasn't on, I was in this fear that I was going to be on. And two of the roles I was very good at, I was hired to play Sheila and I understudied Judy, which was fun, but Val, I just sucked at. I was just really, really bad at it. And I knew I was bad at it. And she was always the one that called out (laughs) and she would always call out mid-show. So anyway, long story short, here I am like on Broadway, living my dream, doing the thing I've wanted to do since I was eight and I was miserable. And it was very confusing to me. Why? Because I thought once I got on Broadway, my whole life was going to be sunshine and roses and martinis with Liza at Sardis. And instead it was like girls eating tuna fish out of the can and complaining about their bunions. And I was like, this is not my dream. (laughs) Um, But it was confusing to me. And, And here's an interesting sort of side note is that my first Broadway show was 42nd Street. And Three weeks after my Broadway debut was the saddest I've ever been in my whole life. (laughs) And so I realized at a relatively young age that I was more interested in the happiness of pursuit than I was the pursuit of happiness. And I bring this up because I think this is an incredibly important concept for all humans, but especially for actors. 
because I feel like a lot of actors are willing to endure this life of suffering. They're willing to endure being poor, being broke, never taking vacations, never standing up for their own worth or finding their own voice because of this perceived or imaginary promised land on the other side of fame and riches. And I think we just got to turn this on its head. We have to get out of this pursuit of happiness model and get into the happiness of pursuit. And remember that we chose this. You know what I mean? Like we're here to deliver our gifts. We're here to be a channel and a vessel for creativity, not like I signed up for this life of suffering so that once I win an Emmy, then it will be worth it. So, so anyway, I just, I was able to learn that at a pretty young age, uh, or at least have the experience of it. But to be honest, I was like 21 years old and I thought, well, it must be the next show. You know, if I'm not happy now, it must be the next show or the next boyfriend or the next agent, or the next zero in the bank account. And I did that for a decade. And then finally I'm on, I'm in a chorus line and stressed all the time. I was started having anxiety. I started having insomnia. I couldn't sleep through the night for about 18 months. I started going gray at 27 years old, which is not a cute look on an actress. Um, I started getting sick. I started getting injured. And so I'm like living my dream and miserable. And thankfully this girl sitting next to me in the dressing room, she was understudying five of the lead roles which to this day, I still don't know how she did that, but this woman was nailing it. I mean, every song she sang was a celebration. Every dance she danced was a celebration. Every bite of food she ate, she'd be like, oh, this is sensational. She was Australian. Um, and I was like, lady, what do you know that I don't know? And she said, I meditate. And I was like, come on. And she's like, no, it really helps my performance, my creativity, my focus. And I was like, Mm, I don't believe you because this was 10 years ago, right? So no one was talking about it like they are now. There was not the amount of neuroscience then that there is now. So I just kept sucking at my job, going gray and having insomnia. And then finally it got so bad. I was so embarrassed about my performance that I thought, well, I got to try something. And so she said, look, my teacher's in town. So I went along to this intro talk, this intro to meditation talk. I liked what I heard. It made sense to me. So I signed up for this four-day course. And first day, first course, I was meditating. I had no idea what that meant, but I was in a different state of consciousness that I had ever been in before, and I liked it. And then that night, I slept through the night for the first time in 18 months. And I have every night since, and that was about 10 years ago. And then I stopped getting sick. And then I stopped getting injured. And then I stopped going gray. I'm 37 years old now. I have like two gray hairs. I was legitimately going gray a decade ago. Um, I started enjoying my job again. And basically this simple, simple, simple technique up-leveled my performance and my life so dramatically that I felt inspired and really compelled to be able to share it with others. So I left Broadway in 2009. I went to India and I started what became a three-year training process to teach this. Um, what I did was a little bit more akin to getting your PhD in the Vedic sciences than it is like a 200 hour yoga certification. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just mine was like, like hours and hours of transcribing Sanskrit by hand and thousands of hours of apprenticing and I think about 800 hours of actual eyes closed meditation. And it was not a joke. <laughs> so, um, basically you exercise all of your demons, like all the hurdy poos that you've ever stored in your cellular memory just start flying up and out. Um, and since I've graduated, it's been the single best thing I've ever done. I feel like now I get to use my lifetime performance training, but now I get to use it to help other people. And selfishly, you know, I do this because I wake up to emails from people almost every day saying like, Emily, I, I haven't had panic attacks since I started. I was able to get off my meds. My insomnia is gone. My migraines are gone. My IBS is gone. My sex is better. I'm booking more. I got a scholarship for something I didn't even apply for. Like, you know, just that flow and that serendipity that every acting teacher 
Richard talks about ever. It's like, this is the fastest way to actually viscerally induce that instead of just having an intellectual understanding of where we think we're supposed to be. This meditation thing actually pushes you into flow into present moment awareness, whether you like it or not. That's amazing. Um, I will say, uh, I don't know how much I've talked about this on my podcast, but uh, I have, I'm a complete, pretty much a complete neophyte when it comes to meditation. Um, I've never really taken a course, but uh, I personally, from the little I know about it, uh, I've been practicing it for a year or two pretty consistently. And I realized that um, I did it for about six months initially and then stopped for some reason. I don't remember why. I just kind of fell out of doing it. And I realized how important it was because a, I stopped enjoying myself as much when I stopped, but also I craved it. I craved it like I would crave food when I was hungry. It was nothing that was conscious. It was just I, on a daily basis, I felt like I should meditate. I should meditate. I should meditate. Constantly feeling that. And I thought, okay, that, that means that I was giving myself something when I was doing it, and I'm missing it now that I'm not. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. Like The body... It's, it's always looking for greater fulfillment, right? Like every single thought you think is trying to move you towards greater fulfillment. And the trick is that we've convinced ourselves, because most of us only have access to this left brain waking state, um, state of consciousness, that we've convinced ourselves that our happiness lies somewhere out here. You know, in that next job, that next TV show, that next agent, that next boyfriend. And the reality is our happiness and our fulfillment are only ever found in one place and that's inside of you and it's only ever found in one time and that's right now. And it's like we as actors and artists, we get to experience that when we're actually on stage or in class or in an audition and things are just flowing and, and you are so uh, present, you're so in your body, you're, you're in that flow state, you're so, um, your senses are so heightened that we know what it's like to touch that for moments but this meditation thing actually allows you to cultivate that and to curate that in a very um, practiced way. And, and I actually believe that the meditation, it is the, it is the tool. It's like you're dropping an anchor down to de-excite your own nervous system and you access that fulfillment internally. And the beautiful byproduct of that is that once you've accessed that fulfillment internally, when you come out of the meditation, you're no longer under the illusion that the stuff exists, that your happiness lies on the other side of any person, place, or thing. And that's very liberating. That gives you that beautiful sense of detachment, that X factor that like most really good politicians or celebrities have. You know, where they just walk into a room and they're like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I have access to my fulfillment. Like if you want to play, great. If not, see ya. Um, so detachment, I know that's a tricky word for some people. Um, because we think it means giving up or depression or not caring. But I actually think that detachment is so, so sexy, right? Detachment is that calm, confident knowingness that you have access to your happiness internally and that you're using your desires as a means by which to, de to deliver that versus going through life with neediness, right? Which is not sexy. Like casting directors do not want to hire actors that are like, please, please give me the job because if I don't book it, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent and I'm going to die alone on a bench with cats eating my face. Like that is not sexy. Um, but detachment is like, oh, I want more. I want to be with that person. I want to know them. I feel honored to be in their presence. Right. Yeah. Um, every job I've ever booked, it, that was the case. And every job uh, booked by people that I know and I've talked to, that was the case. They go, dude, I, they were like, I, I didn't think I was right for this role. I just like walked in. I was half drunk and I 
can't even remember it. I just like did it and then I like went on to whatever I was going to do and I booked it. Yeah. Don't go to don't go to auditions half drunk, by the way. No. But the reason why that works is because it's giving you that, ta- that that detachment. But meditation gives you that in a way that's actually sustainable versus in a way that's destructive. Yeah. Because it's you you actually don't need the job anymore. Right? right. You actually don't. You're just using the job as a means by which to deliver your creativity, not as a means by which to validate yourself. Because if you're going to your career or an audition to validate yourself or to validate yourself as an artist or a person, that's an addiction. That is looking outside of you to fill yourself up. And that is not sustainable. And it's actually in the long term destructive. But if you're using every audition and every class and every job as, as a means by which to create and to share and to be generous, then that is, there's an upward spiral that's being created versus a downward one. And actually I'll share my quick tip on, I I made this video once called how to fake detachment. Um, because I guess this is for people who aren't interested in meditating, even though it's like the single best thing you could ever do for your art and for your career. Um, but the way I used to sort of fake detachment was that I just kept setting my goals higher and higher and higher. You know, the second that you're looking at like, well, I want to be like a series regular on a TV show, then when you go in to like understudy a leading role on Broadway, it doesn't seem that life or death because you keep setting your goals higher. So like the couple clicks beneath your goals feel not all that life threatening. Mm-hmm. And so that's my, that's my secret shortcut for non-meditators. Yeah, because if somebody's really used to booking co-stars and they go in for a co-star, they're going to automatically be cool. But somebody who's never booked a co-star is automatically going to feel the pressure and choke, probably. Because we think that it's going to make us happy, and it's not. Yeah. I talked about this on a previous podcast with uh, Courtney Rue, but um, the reason I had her on in the first place, she's a life coach and one of your students, um, is I always was super stressed about money. Ever since I went to college, I had student loans. And it was a daily stressor for me, constantly uh, less than happy because I was, even in the best of times, I thought, fucking debt. I got this debt that's hanging over my head. And last year, I had a great year, um, especially right at the beginning of the year. In the first couple months, I booked um, some national commercials. I booked some roles on television. And I paid off. My goal was to pay my uh, debt off by the end of the year. And I paid them off within like the first couple of months. I got this check in the mail. And I deposited it and I cleared all this debt. I mean, I just went from one website to the next, just paying them, paying the entire amount. And I sat back and I was like, I feel incredible. And then about eight minutes later, I was like, all right, what's the next thing? <laughs> I, was, I was exactly bad. I was like, what's the next problem? Now what do I have to worry about? You know? And it didn't make me happy and it scared me. I realized right then that it doesn't matter what I book how big the role is, how much money I make, it won't make me happy. It won't make me happy. I have to be happy now. And so I immediately like went to work on that. Good, good. Bravo. I mean, that is honestly probably the biggest gift that nature could have given you is that realization and good for you for actually hearing it. Because if you don't hear it, the lesson gets louder. Um, So I'll actually share a story about that. So one of my meditation teachers um, was in LA and he ended up going to um, Madonna's Oscar party. Like she throws a party after the Oscars every year. And he was just sitting on a couch. He doesn't drink. And so he was just sitting there kind of watching. And it was the year that Colin Firth won the Academy Award for Best Leading Actor in a Film for the King's Speech. And he said that he walks in and he's literally holding his Oscar in his hands 
and all these people were coming up to him like, congratulations, congratulations. And, you know, he's climbed the Mount Everest of actors. And then he said that all anyone asked him was, what's next for you? Do you know what your next project is? What's what's coming up? What do you have in the pipeline? What's next? What's next? What's next? And he's like, he's standing there holding the Oscar. Can we not celebrate that for a minute? Yes. But like to your point, it's fleeting. And here's the news, you guys. Like if you don't have the ability to find your bliss and fulfillment right here, right now, it is not going to magically come on the other side of some achievement. Because like once, if you think your happiness lies on the top of a mountain and you climb that mountain, you still don't have the ability to be happy. And now you've proven to yourself that you can climb a mountain and you can see all the other mountains that you have yet to climb. And so you start climbing and then you get to the next, you see all the next mountains and then you do that and then you die, right? It's just, it's, it's a hundred percent death rate. And if we're using our lives as this constant seeking, this constant neediness, it's just not a very enjoyable way to go through life. And as we just decided, you know, neediness is not going to book you jobs. So it's like, we got to find something else. We have to find some other means by which to be fulfilled. And in my experience, meditation is so fast and powerful at that. In the style that I teach at Ziva, basically you're given a mantra, which is, um, it's not a slogan. It's not like a saying it's, it's like a primordial meaningless sound. And actually the sound quality of the mantra helps to induce very deep rest and that rest is very healing. So not only are you getting rest that's five times deeper than sleep, you're also de-exciting your nervous system in a way that creates order. And when you create order in your body, then the lifetime of accumulated stresses start to come up and out. Um, and then the less stress you have in your body, the more able you are to perform at the top of your game because stress costs you something. You know, like stress makes you stupid. Stress is basically using a lot of your body energy to prepare for an imaginary tiger attack. And so you don't have all your mental and physical capabilities available to you if you're walking around life stressed. So in this style of meditation, not only do we utilize this mantra to de-excite the nervous system, to access the deep rest, to get rid of the stresses in our body, but the other cool thing that happens is that within 30 to 45 seconds of starting, your brain starts flooding with dopamine and serotonin, which are bliss chemicals. That's what I mean when I say you're accessing your fulfillment. You're just basically flooding your brain and body with dopamine and serotonin, which feels delicious when you're in it. But the much more valuable byproduct of that is that once you come out of that meditation, you've wiped some of the longing away from your lens of perception, which allows you to see things more accurately for what they are. So there's a beautiful line in the Vedas, which is the ancient body of knowledge that the, the style of meditation that I teach comes from. And the line says, the truth waits for eyes unclouded by longing. I'll say that one more time. The truth waits for eyes unclouded by longing. And I love that very much because we've all been there, right? We've all taken that job, you know, because we wanted it to be the job, but we didn't read the out clause, you know, or we've all wanted that person to be the person so, so bad that we ignored the fact that they were drinking too much and yelling at the waiter. Um, so if you, if you start to access the fulfillment internally, you wipe some of that longing away from your lens of perception, what happens in your waking state is that you're less likely to make a mistake. Your, your sensory acuity gets more sharp and more perceptive. And, um, you start to look at life from what can I give to this situation versus what can I get? And, and I know that that's a tricky switch for people to make, especially if they're living like under the poverty line or if they're underemployed or if they're feeling like they're not really worthy enough. It feels like, but I got to take, I got to take, I got to fill myself up. But there, you guys hear me when I say this, there cannot be an influx unless there is an outflux. 
So if you want more abundance, you've got to give abundance. If you want more love, you have to give more love. If you want more money, you have to give more money. You've got to create the outflow first, and then it creates the space for things to flow inward. Well, this has all been fascinating, um, Emily. And uh, I know that you used to teach acting. I'm just wondering if you've seen any differences in the acting students that you've had who have started to meditate. Yes, by and large, holy moly, yes. Um, I thought I opened up the East Coast division of the number one acting school in LA. It's called Anthony Mindel's Actor Workshop, and I was really proud of it. It's a really beautiful, creative community, and and Anthony's really set up a, a structure that it's basically like a almost like an active meditation. Like he very much treats the work as almost a divine process, meaning that. Anytime you're creating, it is an act of divinity. And I know that sounds hippy-dippy, but it really takes the pressure off when you're in class. If you're up there for the purposes of play, if you're up there for the purposes of exploration, if you're up there for the purposes of connection, you'd be astounded at how much better your work gets because you've taken all this pressure off. So I had a few hundred acting students and I taught, I don't know, maybe somewhere between like 75 and 95 of them to meditate. And without fail, because my course is it's two hours a day for four days, and then you have the practice to take with you for life. You don't need me anymore. So I basically train people to be self-sufficient. So they'd come to acting class on Monday night. They'd take the meditation class Thursday through Sunday, and then they'd come back to acting class on Monday night. And without fail, like they would get standing ovations. Everyone in class was like, what happened? What changed? What's going on? And, and what, I, what I saw happen for actors is they started caring more about the work than they did their performance. They started actually allowing themselves to be a vessel for nature to use them for creativity versus like trying to look good, trying to like make smart choices. And, and I know that every acting teacher says this, like just listen, just be present, just let go, just surrender, let the thing come through you. But if your body is riddled with fight or flight stress chemicals, that is virtually impossible. And a lot of actors will say to me, but Emily, I need my hurdy-poo. Like, I'm afraid that if I start meditating, I'll just be happy all the time. I'll just be this bliss bunny, and I need my angst. I need my hurt. That's where my creativity comes from. And that is just false, okay? Your stress is not doing you any favors in the creativity department. Hear me when I say this. Stress makes you stupid. Stress also blocks your creativity. Stress is the equivalent of having, like, emotional calluses on your soul, Right, And most of us have been going through life with like all this rejection, all this hurt. Our mom didn't breastfeed us long enough. Our parents got divorced. This guy broke our heart in fifth grade. And it's, it's just been, we've been like piling up, piling up, piling up, piling up these stresses. And so we're terrified to feel our emotions because we think if I even put my toe in the water of the emotion, I'm going to have this tsunami, this floodgate of stuff that's going to come out and it's going to overwhelm me. And that actually stagnates a lot of actors' ability to access the full range of their emotions. And so what meditation does is that it goes in and bit by bit, day by day, meditation by meditation, we start uh, softening those calluses. We start to release that floodgate of backed up emotion. And while I get that that can be scary, it actually... <laughs> it actually frees you up to feel the full spectrum because you're not protecting yourself from a floodgate or a tsunami anymore. Um, and so that was the main thing I saw. The other cool thing, and this is a little bit of neuroscience for you, is that meditation strengthens the connection between your insula, which is your empathy center, and the dorsomedial prefrontal cortex, which is the piece of your brain that processes information about people that we perceive as separate. So I'll say that again. Meditation strengthens the connection between the empathy center and the piece of the brain that processes info about people we see as separate. 
right? So that could be your acting partner. That could be a character that you're playing. Well, he's an ax murderer and I'm not an ax murderer. And it's like, well, no, we're actually all the same thing, right? And, and, you know, every spiritual text has been saying this since the beginning of time, like do unto others as you would have done unto you, like see yourself inside of others. But when you start meditating, that just becomes your everyday reality. You can't help but see yourself in someone else's shoes. And so really meditation liberates you from trying to act and instead actually just being able to listen and to feel your partner and then and then the work happens for you mm-hmm. and it's it's really quite a beautiful shift um i know that you're going to um you're going to take us through a guided meditation but i want to interject something i used to watch inside the actor's studio all the time mm-hmm. um as sort of like a self um assigned homework when i started acting and i watched one with uh Bradley Cooper and yeah. who's an amazing actor, I think, and uh, one of my favorites, and I think he gets better all the time. Um, but he said something on that, which was the key to acting is relaxation. Yes. I mean, he was, he was dead serious when he said it. He just, that is the one thing. And I, when, I, when, I, when he said it, when I was first starting, I didn't know what he meant. And I started meditating, and I got really serious about meditating, and I booked a role on Chicago Fire, a recurring role, which I've talked about a lot, and I hope my audience doesn't get bored of me saying that. But the casting director called my agent and said, I don't know what he's doing, but tell him to keep doing that. Yay. And I knew it. I knew that that was the meditation. I yes. knew it was the relaxation that came from meditation. Yes. I 100% agree, and bravo, and good for you, and I'm so glad the casting director could see it. Oh, I guess I'll share one more story. Um, so I teach a lot of actors. Like I've taught a lot of the casts of Broadway. I've taught Grammy and Oscar and Tony Award winning actors and NBA players. So I sort of pride myself on working with high performers. But a couple, um, a couple people of note are one is Laura Benanti, who um, you know won the Tony for Gypsy, and she's anyway. Point of the story is that she used to. She said that like before. Um, Gypsy, she used to puke in the bucket. They had a bucket for her offstage because she would puke every night before she went on stage because she was so nervous. She used to take beta blockers, which are things that block your ability from feeling fear. Um, and then she learned to meditate with me, I think like three and a half, four years ago. And then she did Sound of Music live. So 16 million people watching live. And she's like, I wasn't nervous at all. Um, and then Susan Blackwell is another student of mine. And she's this amazing writer, comedian, and actress. She got nominated for a Tony for um, oh, title of show and now hear this, which she wrote and starred in. Um, anyway, Susan also used to take beta blockers. She used to have like crippling anxiety to the point that she was going to quit the business. And then she learned meditation with me, I think about four years ago. And she just got cast in a movie where she was playing Robert De Niro's sitcom wife. Okay, so like Robert Nero's like in a TV show in this movie and she's playing his wife and she knew the director and she shows up for set one day and he basically was like, look, Susan, I trust you. Like, just go for it. Like, just improvise. So like a whole day of just improvising opposite Robert De Niro as his wife. And she's like, I wasn't nervous at all. Mm -hmm. She's like, four years ago, I would have been shitting myself. I would have been puking in the wings. I would have been not, I wouldn't have even done it. I would have sabotaged myself. And she's like, in this, I was able to actually play and create and see him as a human person and not some demigod. And and she really attributed that to meditation. So that was fun. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's an amazing story. So this this guided meditation, I mean, I'd like you to talk about it a little bit ahead of time, but what... um, 
I, I, I would assume that 90% of my audience has never meditated once. So this is an opportunity for everyone to try it, maybe for the first time, or if you do it, um, give this one a shot. And uh, I, I know that a lot of people, when they hear the word meditation and they, they, they think it's woo-woo and out there and um, whatever, whatever word you want to use, but uh, there's no reason not to try it. Give it a shot. See if you like it. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it. But why not just try it this one time? And I'm going to do it so you, we can all do it together. I love that. Yes. So here's some things we can do is we can let go of the word meditation altogether, right? Because that word, a lot of times people, it scares people or they think I already know how to meditate. And so people have all these preconceived notions about the word. So let's not even call this meditation because uh, it's actually not going to be one. This is going to be more of a guided visualization and some breath work. And we can simply call this the M word. Right, we'll just call it the M word. And I invite you to let go of everything you've ever heard about meditation before and simply allow yourself to have this experience. And whatever happens for you, happens for you. And what I'll do is that I'll do some breath work and some guided visualization so that people can use this actually before auditions or before performances. And then if you want a more elaborate version of this, you can go to zivameditation.com and I have a guided visualization called Ziva Performance. But for now, you can go ahead and have a seat, just get comfortable. Ideally, you want to have your back supported and your head free. So take a moment, settle in, make sure your phone is on silent. You can go ahead and close your eyes if you haven't already. And we'll inhale for the count of two through the nose. And we'll exhale for the count of four through the mouth. Inhaling through the nose for two. And exhaling through your mouth for four. Really good. Inhaling for two. And exhaling through your mouth for four. We'll do a few more cycles of this. You can take this in your own time. Inhaling. And we're simply doubling the length of the exhale from the inhale. This slows down the vagus nerve. This strengthens the connection between the mind and the body. And again, we're inhaling your biggest, most delicious inhale you've taken all day, filling your lungs with breath and oxygen and energy. And as you exhale, just softening the body, letting everything melt into the chair, letting your muscles relax. And taking a moment to check in with the body. Just notice where you're holding any tension, softening your brow, breathing into your jaw. And as you exhale, letting the muscles around your jaw soften, letting your lips soften. Inhaling into your traps and your shoulders, and as you exhale, just imagine them melting and softening. And taking a big, delicious inhale, breathing into the rest of your body, noticing any places that you might be holding any tension or stress, and as you exhale, allowing them to just melt into the chair or into the couch. Really good. And now we'll walk through something I call come to your senses. So simple, but very powerful technique to get you present in your body in the right now. And so you can let your breath be easy and natural and gentle. And on your next breath, bring your awareness to your sense of hearing. So listening for the most prevalent sound you can detect right now. It might be the sound of my voice or the sound of the computer if you're listening to this on a computer or an air conditioner in your room taking it all in. We're not judging it. We're not trying to block anything out. We're not trying for silence. You're actually pulling the lens of your awareness back and including all of your sounds in this experience. 
Really good. And on your next breath, bringing your awareness ever so gently to your sense of touch. So what's the most prevalent tactile sensation happening for you right now? For most of us, it'll be our bums in the chair, or maybe you have a pain in your knee, or maybe your heart is racing. So we're not judging this. We're simply waking up our sense of touch, giving ourselves full permission to be so present in our bodies. Almost imagine you have spidey senses and that every single hair on your body becomes like an antenna. Maybe even feeling the breath as it's coming in and out of the nostrils. So good. And now even with the eyes closed, I want you to see what you're seeing. So it might simply be blackness. Just noticing what's the most prevalent sight happening for me right now. Perhaps you can see simply blackness or maybe there's a color happening. You can see the color blue in your mind's eye or maybe you see the cells dancing in front of the membranes of your eyes. And then gently moving on to your sense of taste. So even though you're not eating anything, there's always some sort of a taste happening in the body. So really waking that up right now. Can you taste your mouthwash or your morning coffee? Is your mouth acidic? Is it dry? Really good. And on your next breath, waking up your sense of smell. So what's the most prevalent smell happening in the room for you right now. Can you smell your own shampoo or your own cologne? How does this room smell different from the outside? Really good. And on your next breath, we'll have a little fun and we'll pull the lens of our awareness back and we'll start to hold all five of our senses in our awareness at the same time. We'll start to wake up a beautiful simultaneity of consciousness so just playing, just seeing how many of my senses can I hold in my awareness at the same time. So on your next breath, gently waking up your sense of hearing, your sense of touch, your sense of sight, sense of taste, and your sense of smell all at the same time. Giving yourself permission to be so deliciously human right now really savoring each sensation and stacking them on top of each other. And on the next inhale, hear what you're hearing, feel what you're feeling, see what you're seeing, taste what you're tasting, and smell what you're smelling. It's through our five senses that we access our sixth sense. And the more present we are in the right now, the higher quality seeds we plant for the future. So this is a simple but powerful way to bring you into your body and into the right now. So again, waking up your sense of hearing, your sense of touch, your sense of sight, your sense of taste, and your sense of smell. Grounding you firmly into your right brain and into the right now. Our stress hangs out in the past and the future. Our bliss hangs out in the right now. So instead of moving away from the past or away from the future, we cannot move away from the stress. We must move towards the right now. So one final time, 
hear what you're hearing, feel what you're feeling, see what you're seeing, taste what you're tasting, and smell what you're smelling. Really good. And now we'll take a few moments just diving in. And on each inhale, I want you to hear silently in your mind, just hearing the word let. And as you exhale, hearing the word go. So ever so gently, we're using these words let go, almost like an anchor. Just floating the body down, giving yourself full permission to rest, giving yourself full permission to be a lazy, sleepy, sloppy meditator, knowing that you're absolutely allowed to have other thoughts. Thoughts are not the enemy. When you notice that you're doing your taxes or thinking about your ex, you can just gently float back to these words, let go. Hearing them ever so gently in the background of your mind. And we'll be here for just a few moments. Don't mind the time. I'll come and get you. Giving yourself full permission to surrender to this moment. Giving yourself full permission to be exactly where you are. If your head starts to feel heavy or if you feel like you're falling into a sleepy feeling, that's all a-okay. Just letting go into that feeling and reminding yourself that you don't have to control the mind or give the mind a command to be silent. You're allowed to have thoughts. And when you notice you've taken a mental field trip, you just ever so innocently come back to the words, let go. Trusting that your body knows what it's doing, giving it permission to surrender. You're doing great.
Let's keep the eyes closed. We'll let go of these words, almost like we're cutting the cord to an anchor and giving ourselves permission to float back into the body, back into the room. We always want to take a bit of time after a silent practice to reacclimate into the waking state. And as we do this, I invite you to visualize your next performance, your next audition, your next class, your next day on set, your next time on stage. And if you don't have anything planned, I invite you to visualize your dream case scenario. The beautiful thing about the brain is that it doesn't know the difference between a real memory and an imagined one. And this is a fun thing that you can do before auditions. So I want you to imagine yourself walking into this room or walking onto this stage and really see yourself doing this with ease, with confidence, with detachment, really filling this whole space with your energy and with your presence. And not from a place of arrogance, but from a place of generosity. And taking a moment to revel in that, to just feel what it feels like to really inhabit all of the space that you take up. Coming there with an act of generosity and what can I give to this situation versus what can I get. And now just play the movie in your mind of this audition or this experience on stage. And I mean, it's your magic wand scenario. It goes as beautifully and as elegantly as you can possibly conceive. The people are laughing, they're crying, they're with you, they're attentive, you're present, you're spontaneous, you're improvising, you're confident, and everything is flowing even more elegantly than you could conceive of. And just really play that movie in your brain, letting it surprise you even. Your dream case scenario. Noticing how it feels in your body, how the energetic exchange feels between you and the people watching. And then when you feel like it's come to a completion, when you've given everything you're here to give, just taking a pause and standing up and just looking at either the auditioners or the audience and thanking them, thanking them for their time and for their attention congratulating yourself for bravely showing up, for moving past your vulnerability, for moving past the fear. And then imagine yourself exiting the room or the stage with confidence and with gratitude and with humility, knowing that you're now better for having gone through this experience, for having faced a fear and stepped through to the other side. And then imagine you're off stage or backstage or outside of the room and just giving yourself a big internal high five, celebrating your successes and taking a big delicious inhale through your nose and exhaling, letting go of anything that isn't serving you. And again, taking a big delicious inhale, moving your hands, moving your feet and exhaling, letting go of anything you're ready to let go of. And in your own time, whenever you're ready, you can start to slowly, gently open the eyes.
Go to zivameditation.com to learn face-to-face with Emily if you're in New York or L.A. And zivamind.com to begin her eight-day program, resulting in a meditation practice you can take with you for life. I'm Lee Foster. Thanks for listening.